Hello and welcome to another episode of the Viva Bastardo Show, part of the Haggerty Podcast Network. I am Philip Toledano, inventor of the fish finger, uh, the button-down collared shirt. I'm making this up. Uh, and I can't think of a third one. So let's get into our next guest, Carlo Borromeo, a genius car designer, Italian, obviously, with a fantastic moustache, FYI, in creator of the Lancia Futurista, which is the Resto Mod Lancia Delta Integrale, also uh, designer of the Resto Mod 928 that's been doing the rounds on, the, on Instagram. So let's get into it. Carlo Borromeo. That's how I like to... Signor Entusiasta. <laughs> I guess this is the official start of the podcast. So <laughs> it works first, for me. First of all, man, as always, I want to start off with some sort of fawning, toady, obsequious, uh, knee groveling. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm, I'm honored and blessed. Especially blessed. It's you and your that's right. So, well, first of all, I guess we should start off before the festivities begin. We should start off by: Do you want to? Do you want? Do you want to explain who you? Who are you, and what do you do? Or, or do you want to? Do you want me to do it? I think you probably do a better job. Yeah, I can do it. I can do it. Um, you have a very short memory, so I wouldn't want you to mess it up. <laughs> I could get confused. I could confuse you with someone else. <laughs> Halfway through the podcast. <laughs> oh it's carlo wow. oh shit so sorry man so sorry i apologize <laughs> yeah so hi my name is carlo borromeo i come from italy <laughs> no i'm um i'm a creative director actually i started my career as a designer but i think uh the creative director moniker fits me best now uh, did, you not start I... at, did you not start at ital design did i read that somewhere uh actually i started in seat in uh, 2002 okay. very young i was 19 at the time um and you were I, designing you were designing cars for seat is that right i was wasting well. their time honestly at 19 i had like <laughs> designing anything but um no i ran away from home because my parents really wanted me to study economics but it wasn't a thing for me and so i went to live in barcelona as one does and uh, and there I had uh, an old family friend, Walter de Silva, who was head of design at Seat at the time. And that's I always... an that's an amazing old family friend to have. It's a, most people's old family friends, you know, they're like middle management at a, an insurance company. But your old family friend is head of design at Seat. Yeah, th there is actually a funny story, but I can't say uh, right now about that. But. So uh, Walter was was a good friend of mine, like an uncle. And so I called him up and I'm like, you know, I really, really, really enjoy designing cars and working around cars. Any chance you have an open internship, I can, you know, come in for the summer. And he was like, yeah, sure, come here and we'll see about it. And they liked me, I liked them. So I ended up staying for nine months and uh, decided that was gonna be my, my future. Um, then I moved to the States and I went to study. I actually, I wanted to go to Art Center Pasadena, but it was the early days of the internet for me. So I messed up on Google and I ended up applying for the Academy of Art in San Francisco. <laughs> Wait a minute, you applied to the wrong place? I did. This is and amazing. After I got accepted so that, you know, I had, I had you went, a very you, you went to the first day of school and it was and it was and you they were given a chef's hat and a set of kitchen knives and you're like oh hang on a minute this is is this <laughs> kind of 
So I had a very lighthearted approach to my career back uh, back then. I didn't know any better, but um, the school turned out fine. I really enjoyed my my years in San Francisco. I was gonna start working in the U.S. directly. Then the financial crisis happened, and uh, uh, nobody seemed to be interested in renewing my work visa anymore. You know, no one like, saw the genius that is Carlo Borromeo. <laughs> back to your country. <laughs> um, and fortunately enough, I got picked up by Ital Design. So that's that's when Ital Design started. Was actually after I graduated, and of course that was the best school one could ask for. Because, Did you see uh, that was the Commendatore still drifting around at Ital Design at that time? No, I actually had never seen the Commendatore in real life because by then it was like two thousand and eight, nine. Right. We so, should just we should explain. Is that that's wait? Is Jujaro Ital Design? Yes. Yes. So, so uh, he, he, a company founded in the 70s by Giorgetto Giugiaro, yeah. the Mac Daddy of Italian design. Uh, <laughs> my favorite, I have to say he's my favorite designer just because of the kind of cars he used to design. Yeah. He's very strong in like the mid-segment, hatchbacks, you know, the sort of stuff that young timers really excel at. Right. Compared to the cars from the 60s, which was more like Grand Tourers and you know sports cars, so he did a lot actually as a designer to really innovate uh, what cars were. You know, he kind of invented the monovolume. How you say it in, in English? It's like the one volume car, you know, like, singular volume. I don't know how you say. It. I just made I just made that up. It, it, I mean, I think we we understand what I mean. And also the race seat. Uh, like the fact that you didn't have to sit very low towards the ground was was something he came up with. You know, he he imagined that people don't want to lay on the ground when they're driving. To <laughs> which was, you know, it sounds kind of <laughs> well, yeah. it was you know what's interesting about you, you know you, you know what's interesting about inventions like that is that is that they they are so commonplace now. People people lose all context of how radical an idea that was thirty years ago or forty years ago. Absolutely. And uh, and Giugiaro was a champion of that. You know, he was one of the few designers that would go past the style and uh, manage to really look at the function of the car. So if Wait, you did, take... you say, did you say pasta style, like Fusilli? <laughs> no, past, like after, you know. <laughs> yeah. he inv he in it, well, his real trademark was pasta style, like he did <laughs> Rutini, Fusilli, Linguini. I mean, he did all these different. It was amazing how innovative they were using those materials in cars. Are you mocking my culture right now? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh my God. I, you know what? I just realized as I was saying that, that my daughter would totally say, you're canceled, dad. We're, we're on thin ice nowadays. <laughs> if you take the Panda, for example, right? They wanted to do yeah. the least expensive car possible. And so the man started thinking, okay, let's stamp metal. Let's do a flat front windshield. Genius. Let's do, instead of having a complicated glove box compartment, Let's just make a, a, a cloth uh, pocket where you just dump your but, stuff. Wait, let me ask you this. What was genius about a flat front windscreen? Why was that genius? Much, much cheaper to produce. You would just buy ah, it. So he was, okay. So he was thinking, you're talking about, you're talking about, uh, well, also the packaging of that car was pretty extraordinary, right? The way in which you use internal space. It was also thought to sleep inside. You know, it was a time when people had less money, less everything. So, you know, they took into account that somebody might need to sleep inside a panda. 
which so you could remove the seats and fold them flat and i mean it's it was really um, a work of genius in my opinion probably the best italian uh, car ever I, uh, <laughs> that's that is a strong statement man. <laughs> you're gonna have internet trolls outside your house with spears in a minute i'll be waiting for in my panda <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, it's interesting that because I've, I've loved the panda for a long time, but it's much way before other people appreciated it, obviously. But I, uh, but I, but, it, but I, it has become this kind of iconic car. I feel like over the last, outside of Italy, uh, over the last like couple of years, do you think that's true or not? Absolutely. It's also a mini Delta. I mean, Giugiaro liked to design the cars a certain way and you can definitely, he designed the Delta also. So you can tell right. there's the same pencil behind uh, both. So I think it has that little bit of like being cute, but also being strong in a way that um, it's a good recipe for a mythical car to, to come about. And, cute and uh, strong. Yeah, cute and strong. And it's unstoppable. I drove one yeah. from, from Milan to Mongolia, actually. As one does. As one does. And I mean, made, who hasn't really, who hasn't done that road trip? <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about it the other day. It wouldn't be possible nowadays to do the same trip. Yeah, That's right. Well, hang on. Before we disappear down the rabbit hole, you should tell people, uh, maybe we should give a little bit of an outline about some of the, because you've designed some pretty impressive things yourself. If I have to give you a compliment, much to my chagrin. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, just to finish my my story, my career. So I, I worked for Retail Design and then at some point together with uh, my friend Fabio De Silva and a couple of other friends, uh, Marco Bianculo and Filippo Scalbazzi, we decided to start our own studio. And we were very young, very inexperienced. Uh, um, I was 28 at the time, so quite early. But, uh, you know, Italy is a small country. We played our cards pretty well, and we ended up having the luck of working to create the tailor-made department in Ferrari right away, together with Lapo Elkan. So that so was... That a, was, so that was so the ta that's a, basically, if you have enough money, you, you can go to Ferrari and, and they can create a bespoke. Is it, how, how far could they go in terms of bespoke, like body and interior or just sort of, those sort of fixed items they could choose? So there is a key difference be, before and after tailor-made. Before tailor-made, you could always choose within a list of options. Uh, with tailor-made, it was the first time that you could ask for something specific. You know, I wanted the color of my tie. Okay, we'll find a way to do it. So it's it's a small change, but it's significant because it entails a massive uh, change in the processes, in the internal processes. Because of course, any fabric, any color needs to be validated, and you know that that brings some complexity. So it was a massive effort on part of Ferrari to to make this happen, and now a big percentage of their cars it's uh, it's tailor made or you know, heavily, heavily modified. We're always talking about aesthetics, right? So color materials and finishes, um, never about uh, power and performance that in Ferrari is the same, uh, same for everyone. But then, yeah. but this, but this is all interior, exterior, uh, cosmetic stuff. It's not, it wasn't, you couldn't say, I'd like to have a different front end or anything like that. That, that you could always do. Oh, you really? Could, yeah, you could do it even before. Right. Uh, 
you can make one-offs with Ferrari, so car designed just for you. Right. You coming out every year. Most of them they don't get publicized that much. Um, but um, but yeah, it's always been in the cards that I think the first famous one was uh, James Glickenhaus. Well, the P four five, right? Yeah, that was, wasn't that like a wasn't that a sort of a didn't Ferrari then kind of say we're not going to do that again? Sign off on a on a car that's that radical or something? Wasn't there some sort of? <laughs> I can see the bottom. You, you cannot. It. <laughs> no, What's no, that? They kept doing it. I mean, oh. it's, uh, there's more coming out every year. Um, I guess they just communicated less, probably, but uh, but it's a thing, definitely. Right. With Canals, then it turned a bit weird because he started modifying the car so that's, right. that's when things went a little bit off rail it's when he started changing the car because he wanted to try different stuff and they said no you can't do that and you know and that that was a bit of a can of worms to open so sure. usually people they get their custom design ferrari and they keep it as is right yeah i mean why why would why would you change it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you go there and, you know, it's, you trust the vision of uh, Flavio Manzoni and his team and, you know, they're some of the best designers in the world. So, Okay, so Ferrari tailor-made for a Ferrari few years. And then from there, um, you know, that allowed the studio to grow in a very natural way. And then we found about Singer and that opened, uh, you know, Singer Porsches. And yeah. that opened our eyes to the world of resto modding which is something that uh, felt very good for us because i feel it's in our culture to mix uh, the past and the present uh, i think that's one of the skills that we have in in my studio well and you uh, didn't you, i mean you worked you worked with eugenio on exactly. the you designed the lancia futurista Futurist. which i which i think in some ways even though the singer the, the singer resto mod i guess it was I think I personally think what you guys did was a little bit more radical than that because the the there's such there's been a long history of Porsche resto mod backdating all the rest of it. what Singer did was they just elevated it to this extraordinary level, right? But they but but no one had considered like a sort of in quotes the normal car. There was no kind of culture of I think of taking other cars and doing that kind of treatment to them. Do you think that's true or not to say? Yes, I mean, there are some examples in England, you know, the British have always been very liberal in their approach to modifying cars. So the Eagle, Eagle E-types. That's uh, true. Alphaholics, Alphas, but they were definitely more conservatives in the way they treated the source material. Compared <laughs> to um, well, there was, it was more reverential, I think. I mean, yeah. I think what you and, and, and Eugenio did was you kind of, you said, okay, let's take the Lancia Delta Integrale, let's make it two-door instead of four-door, which is kind of sacrilegious to a lot of people, so it changed the proportions a little bit. But then, I mean, you did all sorts, I mean, the interior is extraordinary. Uh, changed a lot, and I think that stemmed from our fear of not doing enough. You know, we came after Singer, and without Singer, there wouldn't be automobiliamos. I mean, they showed the way, but that's the advantage of coming second to, to a concept. You know, you feel like you have to improve on, I, I don't want to say improve, but do your own version of what- You know, that with, without the, the Lancia Futurista, there would be no Lancia Bastarda. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's how we connected at the beginning, actually. 
But it's so true, man, because when I saw the Futurista, I, I remember I got in touch with Eugene. I was like, hey, how much is this? And he, and he told me, I thought, okay. And I sort of deflated. And, the, and I thought, you know what? Maybe I can make something that's, you know, maybe 23% is good for a little bit, for a lot less money. And that was really... That was really my inspiration, man. Like I took a car that had been, you know, had been already sort of been um, sort of adjusted, adjusted, shall we say, in, in Japan. And then I, I and I, look, I didn't go in anywhere nearly as far as you guys did, not uh, not even like 20 percent as far as you guys did. But it was really inspiring to see your car. I think it because for me, it, the futurist opened up the idea of. I think that one of the things I've always grown up collecting classic cars. And one of the things that happens when you collect classic cars is this idea. Thank you. This idea of originality, like it's, it's, it's untouchable in some ways. There are things that are untouchable about cars. You don't fuck with the color. You don't sort of change, you know, you don't change how many doors it has. There's some stuff you don't change. Like, Oh, you can rebuild the engine, et cetera, et cetera. You don't really change the visual look of things. And when you guys did that with the Futurista, I thought, wow, is this, amazing to like even the simple thing like considering an old car in a contemporary color that was never offered in suddenly changes it absolutely and and that was this is something that started with our generation because it it works very well on young timers yeah because young timers are car that they were probably shit when they were built you know like the (laughs) delta no the delta have one get out borromeo it's it's a car that has some very deep deep production issues uh, underneath the skin. Right. So cars have more personality than quality, and so they are prime targets for a rest. Well, mode. okay. Let me ask you this though, man: is it not that is it not all the faults that give it the personality, or is that a bullshit like old fogey reasoning? No, it is. It is definitely, but you know the faults. Uh, you you know the personality of the car. Now, I feel when a resto mode is really successful, it gives you back the memory you have of the car. Right. So, you know, the Delta, the first time I saw it, I was like eight, and uh, my sister's boyfriend had it. And, you know, like it, it, it looked like a transformer, you know? Sure. Everything. Especially when you're eight, you're, so, you're physically small, and the, it's kind of like, it's almost like Goliath is Gulliverian in size. Like every, I mean, all my memories of cars when I was a kid, it's they, the cars always seem so much more overwhelming and bigger than they are now. So I think a resto mode is successful when you manage to give back that idea on an adult, right. to take it back to the memory of the car that he had, not what the actual car was like. Right. Because people want a Delta, but you want a Delta, but I'm sure you don't drive the Delta all that often because you're missing something compared to a contemporary car, right? No, I, I, well, I, I, I take my kid, I cycle through the car. So I, I go through like for a month, I'll have the Delta in the, in the garage. I'll take the kid to school in it, which uh, is that's because you're a watch collector. You're used to cycling, uh, to have a road. <laughs> well, actually, okay. So you know what? Okay. <laughs> I, I, will, I will. Okay. So going, going back to what you said about the idea of a memory of a rest, the resto mod kind of giving you that memory of the thing you saw when you were a kid. I would take umbrage, not with the thing you did, but with a resto mod. I can't. We we briefly discussed this a while ago, but um, the 037. Mm. So so for me, the the problem with that car, I'm sure in always it's a it always it's a better car, like mechanically and all the rest of it, and quicker and all the rest of it. But for me, I think that the resto mod, it, that 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 idea stops 
at the idea of homologation cars, because for me, homologation cars, and in particular, the 037, those were things that were intrinsically connected to Group B, like they were made before homologation, they were made so that they could then make cars to race. And when you make like a the, the the resto mod 037 is kind of like this echo of a memory of an idea of, of a of a of a i don't know what like it's it's so distant for me it kind of i don't think that functions as a resto mod i i'm interested to know what you think so i i mean i don't it feels kind of weird to talk shit about uh it's not really <laughs> a competitor but you know somebody who's sure. doing something similar but different from us uh, i agree with you in the sense that for me, what's really interesting about Restomod is working on production cars. So cars that have large numbers outside and being produced and to take that uh, and, and do what we said before. So take the soul, the, the identity of the car as, as we perceive it, as we remember it and giving it a new lease on life. So that's what I'm interested in. It's a, it's a cultural exercise. Um, I'm not because well, you're, you're, you're synthesizing nostalgia and memory. Absolutely. That's, that's the key points of what we're doing. And I think it's also the key points of what is getting to our customers in the end, because, you know, most of them, they don't really care about how the car drives. I mean, it needs to drive very well, but the point is not, you know, doing the best time on a lap or anything like that. Right. It's just getting that analog. We call it the swan song of the analog car. So for <laughs> us, it's like, how can we peak it? You know, how how we but can let make- me okay, but let me ask you this, man. I feel like every fucking day there's some like thing on on um Instagram, like, oh, we're resto modding this, we're resto. I, mean, I feel like there's just it's a I think you open this Pandora's box and it's a it's a resto mod tsunami. And 90% of these things are just vaporware. They're never they're not gonna be real cars, they're just someone sort of done up an old car to they've tweaked it in you know photoshop or whatever it is and, and 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 i'm not saying they don't look amazing but i'm i'm having slight resto mod fatigue do you what do you yeah. think about that so it's really easy for us so we just came out with a new resto mod as you as you know with we have to discuss we have to discuss <laughs> but so it's i mean it would be easy for me to you know like do a bit of gatekeeping and be like, oh, you know, that's shit, that's shit, uh, you don't understand and whatnot. In reality, to me, all these things are showing um, the emotional side of cars that people still care on a very deep level about these cultural icons. And so I'm all for it. Uh, See, now you've, just, now you've just, now you just show me up as like a cranky old geezer. Did I make you look like an asshole? <laughs> you made me look like an asshole. <laughs> I'm like, hey, turn that music down, kids. <laughs> No, but you know, you know what I mean? Because you make a very good point. You make a good point. It's it's an expression of love is what it is. You're right. Most of them. And I haven't met anybody that it's doing it for money. Right. Like, because there aren't, you know, even though the cars are very expensive, uh, it's really expensive to make limited edition cars where you only make 20, 30 cars. It's sure. Okay, well, let's you you touched on it. So let's talk about you just came out with a 928 resto mod. I have some I have some thoughts, as I'm sure you're aware. So do you want to talk about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a it's I would say it's a coming of age uh, (laughs) resto mod for me. So it's a a more mature kind of um, operation. 
with the Delta, we had the um, unwavering energy of youth at our side, you know, like it was the first time it was very rock and roll. Uh, with the Delta, we had more, with the, sorry, with the Porsche, we had more of a method, uh, but it's also a car that we were much less familiar with. So when, you know, I, I grew up, and I feel very dumb in saying this, but I grew up as a staunch defender of Italian cars versus German cars, you know. Well, well that's not dumb, man. I mean, that's just, you know, what happens when you grow up somewhere. Yeah, I guess, but in the end, one should... I was a staunch defender of British Leyland cars from the 70s, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, so so basically, I never really got into Porsches. And uh, Eugenio actually was the one that was like, no, dude, you know, seriously, look into Porsches, don't be stupid. And uh, and then Thierry, uh, Thierry Nardone, the owner of, uh, of the 928, he contacted us. And, you know, it was just an Instagram thing where commenting on, on things and stuff. And he was like, oh, would you like to do a Porsche rest? And my first reaction was literally, I wrote, fuck, no, I'm not doing a 911. <laughs> because you know, Binger did it. And, you know, what can I add to the discussion? And he was like, no, 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 no. Look, I'm in love with transaxle Porsches. I think we should do a 928 or maybe a 924. And, and something clicked because it's such a special, flawed, uh, amazing car where the personality beats the op. I mean, it's, it's a complex car with a lot of character, misunderstood by many. And so I thought, yeah, there we have we have something that we can say about that. It's it's not your typical 911, right? Where you have people that dedicated their entire lives, like your friend Magnus and whatnot, to, to sure. those. And and I would have never felt right for me to come and like kind of intrude in that little click, in that huge click actually, because it's. But the 928, no, 928 is a special car and I feel like I, we could have something to say. And uh, it connects to all the 80s product design that was coming out of Italy as well. I think there's a lot of like Italian, German culture in that project. And uh, and so, yeah, we, we, we took it as a... It's something really cool that we could. I mean, do. Look, I will, I will be, I will be the first to tell you. I was thinking about this the other day about the car because I would, I totally had like such an old geezer, you know, leaning out the window shouting at the kids moment when I saw it. Because for me, the there's two things that make up the nine to eight because I've always loved that car. Mm -hmm. Is that incredible egg shape, which was unlike any shape I'd. I remember seeing it when it came out as as a kid in England and just and there was no shape like it. This kind right. of mobile egg and then two was the pasha the crazy like i mean that was so unporsche like it was kind of like it was like you know it was like the germans just taking mushrooms and taking off their clothes and running around in the fields going Whoop! And I see, you know what i mean that like it in my was, mind it was germany at the in the late 80s after all well, uh, no, late there, 70s yeah no no i mean the the, the mood of germany you know right. after and, and and so when you came out with your car it's not, it was, it's, and, and I think about this, I, I, I was looking at, the more I look at it, the more I, I, it's a, it's a really beautiful car. It's just not the thing I had in mind. Cause I had, I had at one point thought about doing a resto mod 928 and I would have gone fully egg as, a, and what you did was you evolved the design in a different kind of way than I expected. So I had this sort of need, this is basically some sort of a 
some sort of miserable confession. Concealment uh, thing that you got going on, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's. So I I had it was just not what I had. You had gone in a, in a direction I had not expected, and because of that, I had this reaction of like, oh, I I don't, I'm not sure. I don't really I don't really think I like it. But the more I look at it, it's really beautifully done, and there and the lines are amazing. It's just it's interesting because it has to me quite a bit of of I used to have a 924 Carrera GTS Club Sport, which was sort of the precursor to the 944 it was a big inspiration for the project actually well exactly and you can see it's interesting because was i remember talking to your chap nardoni we had we and he had he had initially gotten in touch with me about that car and he was saying he wanted to do a a 924 career gts resto mod and i think that it seems to me that's what bled into the 928 so it's this interesting fusion because it's got kind of the rear end of the 944, those kind of flared haunches, and then the front end of the 928. So it's this peculiar beast, but it really works. I think it does, and it actually does much better in real life than it does in photos. I'm not bullshitting you, I swear. So you, know I, I, <laughs> you know what? That's what I told you about the De Tomaso Guara, <laughs> and you just fucking love. You're like, yeah, sure, pal. That car is a piece of shit, and you know it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How dare you? It is. You, you know what? You have to see that car in person, man. Also, oh, I'm, I'm going to say uh, we'll put the two cars one next to another and we'll tell each other that we were wrong. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We'll have a video confessional. <laughs> no, but the so I, I take your two points. The egginess, uh, I agree. But if you look at it in real life, it's it's still eggy. It's still like you still have that feeling of egginess, uh, at least the way I see it. And uh, on the um, on the Pasha, actually, it's uh, funny that you mentioned it. We were meant to have a Pasha interior. Oh, interesting. It, uh, but we made it out of woven leather. So it was... Oh, oh that's like, amazing. Stripes of leather. And um, uh, it didn't turn out right, like on a practical level. Right. Uh, so we're still developing it. It's going to be an option on the car, uh, but, but it just wasn't ready for prime time. Right. So... We decided to go with uh, something a little man that's amazing uh the idea because i was thinking the thing about pasha is how do you how, like a, how do you take that idea and evolve it to you know and refract it through the prism of the 21st century and so having it in woven leather god that i feel like that would be extraordinary i can send you pictures of the sample actually we have it. i'd love oh i'd love to see man i love that's a such a cool idea Wow, that's really brilliant. Because I was wondering, how do you take that that interior that, and then how do you evolve it so it's it's it it it, 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 it it's it, but it's different, a different it. That's cool. And that's also, cool. The, it was a big issue for us because uh, you know when you're doing like twenty cars, you can't really print uh, uh, with enough quality that it will you know it won't bleed out on your clothes if it's hot and stuff like that. So it was right. also born out of necessity rather than woven leather. It's very expensive to make, but it's great to make a short run of it. Right. Sure. So to make 20 or, or so. That's amazing, man. I love that. Okay. So we both have two cars. We think are shit. We're going to have, we're going to see them in person and have, and then we can have, a, we should have a voting, but have a live Instagram vote on which car is less shit. Out, uh, and we hug <laughs> it out. Uh, <laughs> that's right we have a hug it out maybe we go on like a road trip together i drive the 928 you drive the guara at the oh, end we're like yeah i was totally wrong bro 
<laughs> but but uh, you know, I was actually extremely surprised by how well it was received. The nine to eight people that loved it. I, I'm honest with you. Like I, I was really afraid because I don't know. Like deltas, I know. I know we were gonna piss off people, but I, I, you know, we enjoyed that also. I mean, it was part of the deal. Uh, so we we knew what we were getting ourselves into. Uh, with the nine to eight, it was a bit more mysterious. It's a culture where at least I'm less familiar with. So to see the the support that the project got and the commercial success it's it's having now. So how many uh, how many are you making? There is no limit on production. Okay. We learned uh, that mistake also from the Futurista, which we I, I know <laughs> limited and. It was a big. It was a one of those childhood mistakes. We're not going to repeat. So, was uh, there for the Delta? Was there massive demand for that? Yes, yes, there still is. Right, a lot of people. No, it's interesting. It's a tricky thing because I remember talking to Eugenio about it. I mean, he had promised to make what thirty cars or something. Twenty. Twenty. So, is there a way to do that ethically? Like, because on the one hand, you you know you the people are buying it because it's limited so they want to be assured that this i mean i feel like a lot of people do that that they'll say oh we're going to make x amount and then there's such demand they go actually no we're going to make three times x amount and then they pagani. Pe- <laughs> pagani. <laughs> yeah exactly pagani for instance exactly. and they're like oh we'll only make uh, 10 of these plus five <laughs> yeah yeah plus five artists uh, rep- you know models or whatever it's called yeah Zonda Ultima, this time is for real, I swear. <laughs> no, no, I mean, uh, for us, it was Eugenio starts his career as a car collector. And the reason why we did the Delta was also because he was very disappointed in, in, disappointed in a lot of these market practices and he wanted to change that. So it was Wait, a by state- market practices. Explain what you mean by market practices. Like, you know, having fake limited editions that don't mean much or artificial. about specifically the Delta? No, no, I'm talking in general. Oh, I see. Okay. Big OEMs, how they sell you cars and they say, oh, this is a limited edition. And then two months later, they make another slightly different limited edition. (laughs) It's just a different headrest, different colored headrest. Exactly. So we didn't want to go that way. And uh, he, you know, a lot of the clients became also friends or they were friends before. Uh, so it didn't feel right. The, the biggest uh, value that Automobili Amos has is the relationship with its clients. Uh, so, so in the end, uh, 20 was and 20 T's. Uh, we're doing a very different version now, which is called Safarista. Of, and, the, uh, of the launcher? Yeah. Oh, yes. this is brand. This is break. This is a Mr. Enthusiast scoop. <laughs> no, we published. Ah, <laughs> oh, bastardo. <laughs> so, but that's a completely different car in the sense that it's going to be um, rally. It's a station wagon. No, it's rally spec though. You have oh, like completely redone mechanics. Uh, it's non-homologated, uh, you know, very high travel suspension. We redid a lot of the bodywork as well. So it's it's actually a different car altogether in the spirit, okay. especially like the mood of the car. And it's called Safarista. Okay. So the Futurista, it's more like urban and, you know, uh, made for tarmac. Inspired by the Safari Porsche situation that's happening. Actually. <laughs> actually, we had that idea before they did. We, we published the render, thank God, 
like months before Singer came out with the Yeti. Right. Uh, because we were afraid when Singer came out, people were going to tell us. Well, okay, uh, but I will say that the, the Safari Porsche has been a thing for like five years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about specifically about the Yeti. Right. The, Right. No, of course. Uh, I mean, safari cars, that style exists thanks to Porsche, you know, the, the ones that participated to the Dakar and all that. Whatever yeah. happened to the, you were going to do, I don't know if you could talk about this. You were going to do. Are you looking at your lawyer off camera? Oh, yeah. I have a gun here. <laughs> I know that at one point you were discussing doing the Shamal Resto mod. Is that a thing you can discuss or, or we have to, or no, Toledano. <laughs> no, Toledano. <laughs> No, unfortunately, I can uh, I can't comment on that. <laughs> I love it when you say that, man. It's so it's so like posh and like corporate. I cannot comment at this time. Okay. Well, I was I was very excited about that. Me too. Me too. Yeah. And, uh, I hope I'll have good news eventually, but uh, for now, it's um, so the purgatory. Let's all right. Say. Well, yeah. So um, also. Um, Aren't you designing? Can you talk about the other thing you're designing with Eugenio? The the that sort of street car that's almost the like a the what? The Tuono. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort uh, of multipla esque. Yeah. So th that came. You know, Eugenio likes to get very philosophical, and I get dragged into it as well. Right. So at some point, uh, we went into this loop of saying, you know, we're. I'm 40, he's 37. So we are, you know, let's say in the middle of our life. And uh, where's that put me? <laughs> at the end, I'm at the tail ahead. end. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit further ahead down the road. <laughs> and uh, we felt uh, bad at some point that uh, our claim to fame, you know, our most successful product was a car from 30 some years ago. And uh, to me, that's, you know, now that I have kids uh, to tell them, you know, my, my son was asking me, so what's your favorite car? And he felt shitty to tell him it's a car from 30 years ago, because it's kind of like admitting that we're not doing anything cool these days. Okay. Which, which is not a good thought to have, especially in a country like Italy, where we have such a heavy past. Right. Such a heavy heritage. It's really easy to get lost in the thought that the best has already happened. Right. And, I know it's all like Dolce Vita and Gianni Agnelli. Endlessly. Uh, you know, fuck. <laughs> so done. If, if I see another Maron's photo, I'm going to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so we said at some point it's our duty to make something today for today with enthusiasm, with Mr. Enthusiast. You know, with something that brings joy about the world we live in and not like always nostalgia about the world that our parents used to live in, even though it's easier to work on nostalgia. And uh, and so he he very gracefully decided to finance the concept car uh, with Automobili Amos. And uh, it's a full electric car. It's kind of like an SUV style car. Uh, we haven't come out with the renders yet. We're not quite ready. But that's a very complex project that it's full electric. Did I say that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a very complex project that needs amazingly huge investments. 
But uh, what I really like, and I wish I could show it to you and it would make more sense, is that we managed to make a, a huge SUV look like a hatchback and, uh, and feel like a hatchback. So it's a, right. uh, it's a very interesting car. It's yeah, well, you, you know, the thing about nostalgia, it's kind of like movie executives and, and superhero movies. Yeah. Like the when you have like the reason there are they're so prolific with the soup and there's so many of them is that there's a built-in base of people who love that stuff and that's the same with nostalgia like there's a base of people who love that stuff who have memories of it even if they never owned it or drove one or you know they just saw it in a magazine as a kid or they, they even if they drove it on like Gran Turismo. Absolutely. Well, Roof. <clears throat> I'm, I'm fairly certain that half of the reason why Roof is so popular these days is because. Uh, they were in the in Gran Turismo three and four. It's, it was the only way you could drive a Porsche was driving a hoof because at the time Porsche didn't give them the rights. But um, one hundred percent, I agree with you. It's like Star Wars, even more than superhero movies. I feel yeah. Star Wars is a good example of that. You know, you already know you have a public. You already know a father would love to see it with the son because they can connect on that. Um, I need so, to get the Guarara into Gran Turismo. You should. <laughs> I love how every time I just say that word, your face just drops. <laughs> you just look, you just look sad and depressed. It's actually I do it on purpose, you know. I don't really feel that negatively about it. I just love. Uh... <laughs> You're just getting my goat, man. You're just getting my goat. <laughs> So yeah, I agree, and uh, and I feel I would love to make more contemporary stuff. The issue also is that we are an independent studio, and most car companies they brought all the design team inside nowadays. So it's it's very rare that they go um, asking external studios to design a car from scratch. Um, the, does, those... the, does the whole idea of does the whole sort of architecture of electric cars not make things so much easier to design? from an aesthetic standpoint, because there's this, there's that sort of, there's a general kind of flat skateboard technology that seems to be adopted by most people, you know, motors on the wheels and, and that's, and doesn't that make stuff so much simpler from a design standpoint? Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't. Like in a way it does because you have simply less component, components to deal with. It doesn't in the sense that we're so used uh, to the previous world uh, that to kind of reset your mind and see the new possibilities um it takes a lot of effort because we have a lot of uh, preconceptions built in you know like the front hood uh, has to be long uh, for a gt or you know the packaging should be like this and that um there's a lot of stuff that we take for granted and if you change it the car changes and people don't recognize it as, as such and such anymore uh, so it's very dangerous also for marketing purposes it's a leap in the in the dark but you see, this is the thing, I, and maybe I'm an anomaly here. Um, but you know, that funnily enough, one of the things that really bugs me about what, what's that? I said you are definitely an anomaly. <laughs> yeah, maybe not in a good sense either. But the oh, one of the things that always bugs me about <laughs> about electric cars, and I totally understand. I to your point, man, I completely understand that that one of the things that this sort of faux grill that you always see on electric cars or the shape, the idea of a grill. And I, and I totally understand that, that the thinking is, and maybe this is, this is backed up by consumer testing and, and marketing and research, market research, but that consumers need to 
as you say, they need to have a familiar shape of a car that includes some sort of grill, so they recognize it as a car. But I also wonder, like, think about the reaction to, uh, and I, 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 I can't remember if, I, if this is an accurate memory or not, but the Tesla Cybertruck, which I thought was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember if you liked that or not, but there was an incredible oh, reaction yeah. to that. And so to me, that, that, says, that says surely maybe car companies are being too cautious. And what if they came out with these like amazing spacey designs? Maybe, there's, maybe they're just, you know, they're, they're being too nervous about it. I think um, the Cybertruck really captured what a concept car should do, which is, you know, relate to some cultural common ground. It's an 80s car, you know, it connects to the world of sci-fi movies that we also, so we go back to the nostalgia element, but it projects it into the future. So I think concept cars, they make you, they should make you dream about a future that probably will never be, but you know. Why can't it be a real car? Because there is no way they can actually make it legal, that car. Uh, Uh, I mean, they... (laughs) They were very smart in how they told the narrative, but if you like, there is a law which I really like as a law that if you hit somebody with a car, he's supposed to go over the car and not under. That's the right. Car. That's right. Reasonable law, and uh, <laughs> the, the Cybertruck. Uh, this is bullshit, man. This is bullshit. Big government telling us what to do. If I want to go under the car, I should be able. To, I should be allowed to go under the car, man. It's my choice. <laughs> exactly. So. So I think, you know, it's a concept car. The production version is going to be much different. Maybe it will still look cool. But in the end, what it managed is capture people's imagination. And then, of course, you have people that love it, people that hate it. But it did what it's supposed to do, which is make a lot of noise. And, well, you know and what, that, actually, that, that, that brings me to an interesting point, Matt. I think you raised an interesting point, which is that you don't, I was talking to Tom Gale, the head of Chrysler Design on a couple of podcasts ago. And, we, and he was he oversaw this kind of golden period in the 90s of extraordinary concept cars. They, they were just, they made like 50 concept cars in the space of 10 or 15 years. And I feel like we don't see crazy concept cars anymore. It's always like a near production version of a car. Or it's something that nobody gives a shit about. <laughs> Which is even worse. Like, like um, what? Ah, look at the last uh, concept car from Audi, the one without the steering wheel. It's like they spent bajillions designing it, building the concept. It looks real. It's, it doesn't, at least maybe it's just me, but I don't think so. It, it doesn't relate to anything. It, like, is this a future possibly? Yes, I guess. But there is no personality. There is no like real emotion behind it. Like I... Do you see yourself driving that in the future? Well, maybe, maybe it's gonna be featured in a shitty science fiction movie with Will Smith. You know, maybe yeah. <laughs> if he gets yeah. back to Hollywood. But well, it's not. You know what? I, like you know the. In your face. The, you know. The, sorry, sorry. Go on, man. I interrupted. No, no. So the the Cybertruck was like a, a punch in your face. It was impossible, undeniably present. You know, when it came out, you, you had to notice it. It was like right. taking your attention. Uh, so that that I think is what concept cars should do. Uh, it's like, like, do you remember the uh, do you remember that Honda that Honda City car that they came out with? 
that actually I think is a really beautiful piece of design. Like it's a small little thing with this, it's got a really lovely front end. The electric one. Yeah. They built it. I, yeah, I yeah. But the thing, but the story, the story I heard was that they made the they made uh they made a production car and then they had to make and then they said, Oh, we've got to we've got to make a product a concept version for the show to make it look snazzy or something. Is that is that right? Or did I hallucinate the whole thing? Story, but it's very concepty and I like it. I think it's a great car. It suffers from a few issues of like redundancy inside um with the with the system but but it's a great little car what i what i want to bring your attention to which i think it's very on point it's the new hyundai concept car oh man i i i'm you know i'm obsessed with hyundai Me actually I'm, i'm yeah I, and i think i think they're just killing it and i also i i think I, i'm trying to i think the next car i'm going to get i was talking about this yesterday with the missus is an ionic five because i just love how that looks It's a good car and it has its own personality. The the N76, it's the most amazing concept car to come out. And yeah, why? Because you can imagine yourself on what like it really brings out an emotion, right? It connects yeah. to the past. It's inspired by a car that was designed by Giugiaro, coincidentally. And uh, and you can tell, I mean, if you if you know his uh, his style, you can definitely tell but it's also contemporary it's futuristic it's everything all at once it relates to the world we live in now um unlike but, the, but that car is that car is brilliant and the thing about that car is it, it feels like it's so tant it's so tantalizingly close to being real like yeah. when i saw that car i was like oh my god i really I, i mean i would buy that car in a second if it came out like that same same and that one can be made it's not like the cyber truck that one it's fairly realistic i mean you know what the car was a massive the biggest disappointment of all time uh of course now i can't remember what what's that the quieter quaria <laughs> no no um it was the was it the toyota um fj cruiser no no i actually thought that was pretty cool oddly enough And I, I, like I just that. read that one sold for like a hundred grand recently at auction. So I think they're on their way up. Uh, no, it was the it was a sports car. Was it the Supra or something? The one they did? The last Supra. It's a BMW Z4 with fake air vents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, exactly. Like the concept was actually kind of amazing. And then when they came out with the production model, it was so interesting to see how it looked like the concept, but somehow they changed proportions to make it look totally shit because they had to base it on the z4 it's a bmw right. with a couple of body panels changed and right. you can tell. and you can definitely tell i never uh, never was a big fan of that car and it connects to what you were saying before it's not only electric cars that have all this fake stuff on them it's also combustion engine cars that do uh all of them if you look all the 90 of the air vents are closed behind um 90% of the exhaust pipes are fake and you have the real exhaust inside right uh, which is something we hadn't seen since the 50s maybe you know when you had the cars with the fins and all the fake futuristic stuff yeah but the but the yeah but the the, the difference with the 50s stuff was that was those were styling cues they weren't supposed to they weren't supposed to imitate functional things right yeah true here they have also the pretense of having a function which is silly right. i don't know i don't know. and and then you hear the same designer talk and they're like form follows function 
yeah code brown all over but um, so what what happened no they were they were very gracious about it especially Giorgetto. he you know like the guy has been named designer of the century you know like he he floats he doesn't walk anymore right i guess when you design the century you can be you can be gracious it's like he was very gracious about it and um and and that gave us some you know confidence and then the next day the project came out and out of a like very complex alchemy of factors it got received super well and uh you know of course it's a big man i mean it took over the that that car i mean i have to say man you've had pretty good success the 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 futurista and the 928 took over the internet when they came out yeah we i want to say we have a master plan for it it's there's a definitely a good share of luck uh, involved in that you know in the virality of these things um well i don't i don't i don't know man i think that i think you've been pretty smart in that you've taken objects that are well embedded within popular culture that are well loved and you've done good things to them i guess we are also very lucky with the 928 that we had the support of type 7 um right you know they were the first to launch the news uh, because we didn't have like a big uh, um how you call it a big stage like grand basel was uh and uh and type 7 decided to run the news of the car uh which you so know, did you give them an did you give them an exclusive or something well we tried to so we we <laughs> sent the press back and we told everybody else you know at least uh, six hours don't publish anything <laughs> and then as soon as type 7 published like everybody else started publishing and so the journalists were calling me and like come on don't be an asshole you know <laughs> um, you know, like everybody's republishing type seven photos and so after right. like a couple hours we were like yeah go ahead right it all. and uh yeah it, it it really happened in a very massive way and then we got lucky that we were invited uh, by yorgo uh to goodwood who yorgo uh he's a french greek designer <laughs> Also, okay. we would love it. Yorgo, <laughs> Yorgo, it's amazing, and uh, he was curating the space for Mr. Porter in Goodwood. Oh, that's right. And, uh, we had never met each other, and like in late May, he calls me and it's like, ah, oh, you know, uh, we can you send us a futurista? And I told him, look, there is already a futurista going to be there in another stand, so I can, you know, I cannot like make the competition to that one. He's like, ah, oh, shit, you know, I, I really wanted that car in the stand. I was like, I have something that nobody has seen yet, you know? And I showed him. As it turns out. This a beautiful alignment of stars. And, uh, right. and so they invited us and it was great because we had, we launched it on June 10th and the hype grew and grew and grew. And then on the 22nd, we were in Goodwood. So we had a ton of people that were coming just just to see I hear car. it's actually a lot better in person the car it is <laughs> depends much like uh, yeah much like the guara <laughs> <laughs> uh god that's I mean I don't know man I feel like you're kind of living the dream 
You know how people, I mean, people throw, people throw that people throw that phrase around a lot. But for anyone who's into cars, like, look, I am just such a like. I, as I said earlier, I'm just like some cantankerous old geezer. I've never designed a car. I don't know what goes into designing a car, but I have more than enough opinions about cars I haven't even seen. And I'm always like, you know, proclaiming on the internet, ah, I don't like this, I don't like that. But but it, you're really doing it. And and I really uh, respect and admire how you're doing it and what you're doing it with. It's it's exciting, man. It that's the last time I will. That's the last time I'll ever say anything nice to you. By the way. Well, I'll, I'll hold it dear <laughs> to my heart. And this is recorded. <laughs> I have it on Spotify, and I'll make my kids listen to it every day. <laughs> See what Senor right. said about Daddy. <laughs> yeah, some random old guy on the internet. No, it's really, it is, it's, it's, it's really inspiring, man, what you're doing. And I feel like you, you're, you're, what you're doing is in your, you're becoming a, a bit of a cult leader yourself. Like you, you've forged out this space for yourself where, cause I can't, I don't know of any other, any other person or other people who are kind of, who are repeating the success of, of doing a resto mod after resto mod. I, yeah, I guess, well, singer is, but you know, they also yeah, but that's singular. So, yeah. That's I mean, one thing you're doing. Also, you're doing different yeah, cars every time. Consider that I'm not like I'm not a one man show. Whenever I talk, I talk in plural, not because I know. I'm, I'm full of myself, but I have like <laughs> a big team of people that are really, really badasses at what they do. And uh, yeah, I mean, don't forget that I'm uh, head of uh, headrest design for Borromeo de Silva. Oh, no, you're head. Of oh, that's design. right, the clock. <laughs> head of dashboard clock design. No, but we should uh, explain. We should explain to people. We should explain to people. You, you, you had said to me, oh, it's, part of the <laughs> oh it's, it's part of the non-disclosure. It's under. All right, it's under. The <laughs> I was so no, excited to be to be part of it. And you're like, yeah, you could do the dash clock. <laughs> it would have been glorious. So, but yeah, so I. I just wanted to say, actually, the best part for me is the community of people I interact with. So that's what makes it really valuable. And that's, I think, it's something that you see in the end result is that we have fun. You know, the, the thing that people love the most about the Delta is the levity. So we, you know, right. on the high beams, we wrote levity, which means get the fuck out of the way in Italian, which is convenient, right. like a short word. But um to decide that it was just you know we were bullshitting in front of the computer with with Marco one of our uh, the head of design at the studio and uh, and we just called Eugenia and we were like hey can we do this and he was like hell yeah you should you know and to have that so, streamlined it, process it's right amazing. well also you know what you know what it's it's interesting because you you this I find in 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 making art or or making anything it's often the kind of off-the-cuff ideas that are a little bit harebrained that people notice the most do you know what I mean does that make sense to get them through because with car yeah. companies you have so many layers of approval and opinions and you know that that all this kind of uh, how you call it instinctiveness uh, right gets, it gets, gets it gets committed it gets committed out of the design doesn't it 100 percent. that's why i love seeing stuff like the hyundai because can you imagine explaining that to a ceo so we're gonna do you know a 70s car but it's hydrogen powered and uh it looks kind of real but it's not like, i mean it's 
It's not something. Well, I that, tell you, man, uh, I, I, I have the I have the same regard for car designers as I do for film directors because both both endeavors require so many people to be on board and to understand the vision and to share the vision and to have courage to get the vision through intact. That when amazing movies come out or when amazing car designs come out, it's a fucking miracle because there are so many people who who are afraid and unwilling to take that leap so when things do come out they're amazing it's 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 extraordinary to me you know it's very i never thought about it that way but you're 100 right of course it's, it's uh, i'm right of course you are <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. It's a, it's a miracle, man. Like like you say, the Hyundai thing. Because having I worked, as you know, or I worked for ten or twelve years in advertising, and and on the creative side, and it was like a twelve year long argument. Basically, you're always trying to go, no, 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 but you have to understand this is how it's going to be, and you have to persuade the creative director, you have to persuade the client, you have multiple clients to persuade, you have to persuade the director. All these people have to see the thing that you're trying to talk about. Uh, and so it's it is it's kind of amazing when things emerge unscathed, and you can always see when something started well and ended up terribly. And it got committed. Uh, yes, you can yeah. definitely see. It. Once you've been in the industry for a while, you start seeing it, and it feels so painful when you do. You know, it's like. Oh. Well, give me an ex Can you think of an example of a card that's come out? Well, I know you don't like to savage other people, but I enjoy good savaging. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think about something that fits without offending anybody, but you know most of these guys are my friends. Don't make me look like right. Oh, all right, I'm, I'm really trying to make you look like an asshole, man. <laughs> Any BMW of the past twenty years, maybe? Yeah, I guess so. Right? It what is fascinating. Doing in BMW, I have no idea. I feel like the last great thing they designed was the 850. To me, it's the E46 M3. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. That's yeah, okay. Peak, peak car in general. I, I really have to hand it to them. After so that, wait, so after the angle came about, um, I lost it. The Gina <laughs> was so genius, though. You remember the, the what? Gina? The Gina, the car with the body made of fabric. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was amazing. Absolute genius. Absolute yeah. genius. That was fantastic. Yeah, and that was. That was so fabric. radical. It was incredible. And and I also love, you know, there was a little bit of an innuendo in the name and, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, the, uh, and all that. Um, yeah, but that's like I remember when I was I was in college by the time it came out or almost in college. And, you know, that showed me the way that like original mind mind boggling car design would still be possible. There was still something left to do in that sense where you can really like come out of the how you say out of the left field. Is that how you say? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do something like completely that that catches everybody off guard. So do you think Hyundai is, do you think Hyundai is the only people doing that now, inspiring young young people to be car designers? Of, uh, yes, I think they're doing it better than any, everybody else. I think other people are trying uh, in varying degrees, but definitely Hyundai are. And, and this could be broadened as Korea, 
You know, I feel like yeah. Korea, it's like generating uh, most of the pop culture we live in nowadays. And you can feel it reverberating from the US to Italy. And then, you know, they're, they're really becoming a cultural center for the whole world to look up to. Uh, be it fashion, be it movies, be it music, be it cars. Boy bands. Boy bands. I, I still listen to Metallica, but I guess. <laughs> So I, I guess that because of all the things you've created, I mean, obviously in life, the formula is that if you're successful in creating stuff, it, you know, it, eventually it ends up you having to work much less for work in the sense that people start coming to you. So have you, have you found that you're, you're because of the 98 and the Futurist, you're having a lot more big OEMs coming to you and saying, hey, we want you to do this or that? No, we're pretty insular. So, you know, we're located in Italy, which already doesn't help. And um, we have some companies we, we've worked with, with for a long time. I have a very long-standing relationship with Ferrari, as we mentioned, with Maserati. So I'm kind of tied to those Italian brands. Now we're starting to do a little bit of stuff with Porsche, but we're still too... <laughs> How did Antares Thompson said, too weird to live, uh, too rare to die? <laughs> that's excellent man okay let me ask you this then if you could do i i feel like part of the resto mod thing is um it's often kind of exciting cars mm -hmm. so i kind of would love to do like a resto mod say for instance of like a uh shit i've i've reached this age where every time i try and think of a thing it uh it disappears it it, it yeah it just disappears well there's two cars there's a subaru <laughs> from my own genius <laughs> <laughs> it's your, your brain trying to protect you there's the it's the subaru i think it's svx you know that one that had the really cool windows mm -hmm. yeah and amazing. then there was and then there was also the it was a it was a it was a it was a two-door uh off-road car made by a japanese manufacturer that was super crazy looking in the 90s shit what was it um off-road okay, I can't think of anything right it was like a little SUV um oh god I think it might have been a Hyundai uh, I'm too destabilized by your glorious presence to really think at the <laughs> but it would be interesting it would be kind of I kind of love the idea of taking of resto modding something that's so suit that was super basic didn't the Hyundai Hyundai do a resto mod of something that was super basic from the yeah, they did it of um, it's called the pony or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the pony. That's right, the yeah, pony. Beautiful, beautiful electric resto mod. Also, that yeah, they're so good. They're I, so... I know um, it's depressing how good they are, but that's but I love. See, that's what I'm talking about. It would be so great to see a resto mod, a futurized version of a completely basic mundane car that that was produced in the millions, not a car that has like you know, cult following that was a performance thing or this, that just like a family sedan of some kind, like a Ford Cortina or something. I would like to do, um, uh, you know, the Mercedes, the, the one they call the hammer, the family wagon. AMG. Yeah, but that's cheating, man. I'm no, 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 bastardo. No, family no, wagon, I no, 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 I'm talking about like, you have to, okay, let's just pick, you have to pick a super mundane, like something that everyone had that no one paid any attention to. That was like a vehicular wallpaper in the eighties or nineties. Okay. It has to be Japanese then. Okay. Yeah. Like a Corolla or something. Yes. Yeah, or an Accord. Like 
Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, the Isuzu. Oh, here's the car. The Isuzu Vehicross. You caught me off guard here, Phil. You won. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I uh, all right. You know, what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google it right now and show it to you on the screen. And Isuzu. It's so cool. It's the coolest. It's the coolest car. Um. Okay. Let me see. <laughs> I would also love uh, to do an event. Let me see this car. Ah, yeah, nice. How cool is that cool. car, man? It's very late 90s. So there was this moment in the late 90s where everything started looking like a TVR Tuscan, you know, like everything was super popular. <laughs> right. It, it but that's an amazing. So. Yeah, but that's an amazing piece of design. Like I look at it now, and I've seen some people doing resto restorations of those cars, and it looks fucking incredible. It it would be an interesting one. It's really hard to do resto mods. I feel on rounded on cars that are so rounded, just because okay. it's just one continuous surface. So it's really right. hard to add onto it. You just make it all carbon fiber, man. Yeah, well, find me a couple hundred grand and we're on. I would, I, man, I would love to do that car <laughs> with you. I mean, it would be so exciting to just. Uh, well, I would love to you, as well. I think we would never get out of the creative phase, you know. <laughs> it would be. It'd be like six hours of six <laughs> years of like, what about this? What about that? <laughs> yeah, it's true, man. We, it's true. We would need somebody to rein us in at some point. I feel like the Vehicross could be a great platform, man, to turn into. I don't know if you could do those electric thing because those cars are like five grand, ten grand. Really? That makes yeah. sense. Well, how many people listen to this podcast? Oh, I mean, at least ten to fifteen five. people. Okay, maybe. Yeah. You know, like, uh, if if anybody wants to finance the project, uh, we have the um, you know we have all the team ready to go. <laughs> phone, there are people on the phone standing by to take your call <laughs> like at auctions you know uh, that's offers right that's more, right offers more no no ready to go i mean um i would love to do something with i my idea to become a car designer started in uh early 90s uh, my mother was working as a fashion designer and she took me uh, for a business trip in japan she was working with the japanese um industry ministry and uh so she had to go a few times and she took me and they took me to a visit at the toyota factory and i got so blown away by what i saw there that uh, that's that's where the the idea got in the inception of the idea got into my head of uh, being a car designer so to me japanese culture it's like my you know the, the thing i love the most about my childhood and uh and Are you, I no, i'm obsessed with i'm obsessed with japan i'm obsessed with it Totally obsessed. I would love to live there. But I'll tell you what's interesting. You know what's interesting to me about? Um, I find that I find in some ways it the, the Japanese car, the aesthetics of car design in Japan, it's such a different language from the West. That you I mean, feel like now you have or to... back then. Because if you uh, still see... now and then, now and then. <laughs> It was very interesting to see how it evolved because uh, in the 70s, it was very like copy and paste from Europe. You know, like you take the Toyota 2000 GT, it's very similar right. to a certain Opel GT, you know. And, and <laughs> right. I think 
for what I understand, and I'm not an expert in Japanese culture, but, but what I gather is that it was meant like a homage. Like it wasn't right. like copying, it was like getting inspired by people that were recognized as masters. Um, and then it, what I loved is to see it evolve and, you know, like developing its own language, its own uh, references. And then in the 80s and 90s, and I feel like in the 90s, it's when it really started getting interesting. And then more recently, I lost them. Like I don't, I don't understand it yeah. anymore. Like I feel the came, same way. Like I get, I get like uh, anxiety when I look at, at Alexis. You know, they're, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you get agita. <laughs> but I love the Yaris GR. It's one of my favorite cars to come out of. You know, it's like, it's like a modern day Delta really it is but you know what's interesting like you look at that car and it's and it's odd because it doesn't it's not really attractive in any kind of conventional way right and the delta wasn't attractive in a conventional way when it came out and yeah i guess so gonna become attractive once we get used to it uh, I think it it's is funny the- how it's funny how design works that way though right there's some design that 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 you kind of just have to like the guara for instance you have <laughs> you have to look at it you have to absorb you have to it's so it's funny like there are some designs you look at them and go oh that's beautiful right away like the hyundai and whatever that was and then the yaris there's things you have to see you have to kind of yeah you have to get used to them you have to see it again and again and again and then you begin to understand to me it's like that with music you know like music uh, it's something you either love a, an album right away or you think it's shit and then for some reason you listen to it three times and then it clicks and you start right. getting it and this is something i'm always actually, amazed by go sorry, on go on uh, it's something about the process uh music it's always very much involved in what we do so when we start uh, especially with resto modes we first create a playlist that uh, oh interesting yeah, and uh, because you have to reference an era, mood, uh, so it's really important for us to like get into it on a call. So what for the Delta, were you just blasting like Lionel Richie, dancing on the ceiling? Man, I made the best 80s uh, playlist <laughs> on Earth. No, you have to <laughs> that is a That is a strong, that is a strong statement. You should make um, it available. Come on, you have to back that up and make it available. available. Just uh, look Automobili Amos by Borromeo de Silva on Spotify. It's there uh, for everybody okay. to enjoy. And it's actually, I will never say that we designed a great car, but we definitely made a great fucking soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, man. That is amazing. I was going to say the thing that I find interesting about that there's that 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 click that happens when you don't get something and then you do get something is uh, for, and I have that happens to me often with watches I guess in a uh, but is that I I and when the click happens I I always am slightly shocked that I didn't get it before. Do you know I what I mean? I always think yeah. I always think how could I've not seen this and now suddenly I see it. What's the thing that made me see it versus two weeks ago I didn't see it. It's true. It's crazy because it's one of the few proofs you have of change. You know, you yeah, you're right. We don't realize that we're changing. But for example, I changed my, my taste changed a lot in the last ten years. I used to hate vegetables. Now I only eat vegetables. You know, like, <laughs> right. But it happens over a very long time. These things can happen right. one minute to another, and uh, it's very interesting. It's uh, 
It's like Rocky yeah. said, you know, if you can change and I can change. You remember? <laughs> no podcast is complete without a, <laughs> without a quote from Rocky IV. True. But you know what else is interesting? And maybe it's because I'm an old geezer. But I think that what happens as you get older is you become accustomed to the idea that you kind of know yourself and you and you understand yourself. And then when and when I repeatedly have these experiences like, oh, I didn't see how genius it was. And now I do. I think oh, I really don't understand myself at all. It's true. I guess we're to quote, you know, to quote Rocky too. I will break you. Should we just end the podcast on that? <laughs> you just you just <laughs> broke me actually. I'm like, I'm staring in the vacuum, thinking about yeah. That. You were you just went off. You know, I see. I just broke you, Borromeo. Look, man, I, I, we've been talking about almost two hours, so we probably should draw it, put it, put it to a close. But man, it was a it was such a delight having you on, man, and I really delight, appreciate man. you coming on. I still don't believe yeah. the Vaira is a good car, but... Um... Wait, okay, let me just say, we'll just finish this up. I just, I need to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> what, what, you're talking about like how it drives, how it looks, or everything. I have no idea about how cars drive. I'm, on, I'm the one with the colored pencils. Uh, okay, I will say that in person, it's very impressive. And in pictures, from some particular angles, it looks super odd. But, but it, in I'm, some ways, it's not... I'm just what? taking the piece. I'm just taking the piece at this point. I don't really believe in what I'm saying. I'm just doing to. to it's it's my mission, man. It's my mission. By the end of the year, I want you to be making me an all cash offer for the Guara. <laughs> Actually, I'm coming to New York in October. Oh, amazing! Sorry, oh God, sorry, <laughs> I ruined That's the whole okay, podcast. Man. <laughs> we have to start from a scratch, man. No, anyway, I, I, in conclusion, man. Thank you again. Carlo, for doing you. this, man. I really appreciate it. It was great to see you. Great to talk to you, man. Um, and uh, and I'll see you in October. And you'll see me in October. Best get ready. Uh, I, I want the Jaguar ready. Uh, you I, can drive I it. You, I let you know when I land, okay? You come and get me. Oh, then if it, well, you know what? Then just pack like a smaller, uh, like a fanny pack. <laughs> There's no space for anything else in the Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. right. Thanks again, man. Great seeing you as always. Likewise, Ciao. man. Thank you. Ciao, man.